an icy wintry landscape, a crew who start to turn on one another, and the alien at the center of it all? All of this can only mean one thing. We're comparing the thing from another world and the thing on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. Parker, or am Dan. I? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro, Retro versus, versus Remake. This is the series where we compare movies and their remakes. Join us as we answer the question, should this remake exist? Today's films are The Thing from Another World and The Thing. Getting right into it. The Thing from Another World, made in 1951, starring Margaret Sheridan, Kenneth Toby, Robert Cornithwaite, Douglas Spencer, and James Arnis as The Thing. Directed by Christian Nibby. Screenplay by Charles Lederer, Howard Hawks, and Ben Hecht. Music by Dimitri Tiomkin. The Thing, 1982. Starring Kurt Russell, Keith David, Wilford Brimley, Richard Mauser, Donald Moffat, T.K. Carter, and Thomas G. Waits. I believe, Reggie, this is the first movie... Where we have no women at oh, all. Wow. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't think there's any. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. There's women in Solaris. There's women in <laughs> yeah. Charlie the Chocolate Factory. I mean, yeah. This is totally dudes. All right. And we're directed by John Carpenter. Screenplay by Will Bay Lancaster. And music by Ennio Morricone. And both of these films are based on the 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. novella, Who Goes There? Okay. Reggie, what is your first experience with either film? This may surprise you, but my first experience with both of these films uh, for this podcast. Hmm. Um, very familiar of the uh, the lore of the thing. I had a good idea of what happens in the movie. Just I think it's that much in the zeitgeist at this point. The remake, of course. And um, yeah, I wasn't even really familiar with the original you know, material. I, I know they did that prequel at 1.2. And yeah, I guess I'm going to round out this sentence with, uh, I played the thing for, I believe, Dreamcast. And that was pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I was looking it up, I was like, oh, they made a video game of this too. So that's interesting. My first experience with either of these films is also for this podcast. I had never seen or <laughs> I barely knew anything about Okay, I got Ace kind of climbing on my lap now. <laughs> um, can't trust Ace. the dogs either, man. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, can't trust you. You might be an alien. You might be an alien, budgie. So I'd never seen either film. I barely knew anything about them. I didn't know it was an alien at all. Spoilers. Um, I thought it was just a creature. I knew Kurt Russell, Snow, and John Carpenter for the remake. And definitely knew nothing about the original film so very fresh set of eyes coming to this i had been told many times you haven't seen the thing what's wrong with you well <laughs> doesn't happen that sentence won't be said anymore because i've seen them both and now i can come back at them what you haven't seen the original yeah so my, suck on those my other friend dan a different dan uh, <laughs> is like constantly like we're sitting at the bar sometimes and i feel like every other week he's like oh yeah it's like in the thing and i'm like <laughs> 
I haven't seen it. <laughs> exactly. Well, now we are one of the privileged Reggie. So <laughs> let's jump into this comparison. Very different films. So my synopsis is going to be very, very brief. Here's my synopsis. Scientists are stationed in isolation in a wintry location doing research. While they are there, the discovery of a lifetime is made as a UFO is found. Near the UFO is a frozen alien, which is taken back to camp. The alien eventually gets out of his ice prison, and all hell breaks loose. The group is under attack constantly, and they even turn on each other at times. Fire seems to be effective against the creature. Ultimately, they are able to destroy it, and each movie has their own respective ending. Very brief. None of the characters are the same. Um, the whole setup is completely different. So with our comparison, I think we should start there. Absolutely. And, this is the uh, Pets edition. Oh, yeah. His <laughs> <laughs> face is right there. Right there. Right there. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's start with the setup. We'll start with the original film. Um, well, the setup's pretty straightforward. We start with um, so a bunch of military officers in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, kind of just shooting the shit. Um, beat reporter comes in, starts talking to them too, and then immediately we're sent to the North Pole <laughs> because scientists have discovered something and they need help. And who better than the military, I guess, in the 50s? Sure. So they go to this location. I don't know exactly where in the North Pole, but somewhere in the North Pole, pretty isolated. And it's kind of... Well, should I just jump right there? That they kind of just discover a UFO? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you might as well talk about the remake. It starts with <laughs> spaceship, so yeah. Okay, well, so the original, um, yeah, they run to a spaceship. Uh, they try to get it out <laughs> <laughs> using thermites, and whoops, <laughs> uh, accidentally blow it up. <laughs> so no spaceship, and uh, instead they find this body of an alien frozen in the ice. They take that back. One genius puts a heated blanket on it, <laughs> completely <laughs> melts the ice, and then that's when uh, things really sort of kick into gear. Our plot really drives forward at that point. So that's the initial setup. Um, bit different from the remake setup. Do you want to maybe do this one? Yeah, the remake setup, there's a there's kind of like the early alien reveal, but it's very, like, not consequential. It's just kind of like, hey, here's the title, right? To me, the movie really starts with this crazy Norwegian in this helicopter <laughs> taking sh shots with a sniper rifle at a, a dog. A husky. Um, from his, yeah, from his helicopter. We have no idea why he's shooting at the dog. We have no idea uh, because of the uh, sort of the language gap. What the hell is going on? You just kind of. Now, you do get a similar setup where like these military guys are kind of like shooting the shit, but like really kind of as individuals. So we know that they're having trouble getting communication out, kind of similar to that original movie. And then, you know, Norwegian guy lands his helicopter. He's like shooting at people, <laughs> throw grenades. Uh, it, the whole thing is actually kind of nuts. It's pretty um, comical because one guy's, the helicopter lands. So one guy's like on foot shooting at people and trying to get to that dog. And the yeah. other guy's got a grenade, but he has butterfingers, Reggie. <laughs> the yeah. grenade slips out of his hand. And instead of running... He tries to dig for it in the snow, and then he and the helicopter blow up. Yeah. And, like, like what? Like, this is the first five minutes of the movie, and you're just like, 
what is happening? It was it was jarring. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Were there multiple people? Because I guess somebody was flying, right? I think it was just the, it might have been three, but there was definitely two. There was two. I, guys, I, I right? assumed it was the pilot who fucked up the grenade thing. Uh, must have been right. Like, well, anyway, you know, not only does that guy get blown up. The other guy who was shooting at people, they basically shoot him in self-defense. And um, that comes into play because we, we recognize at some point that uh, something is still alive. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The setup, the setup is, like you mentioned, completely different because in the original, you get sort of that origin of the, the ship and, you know, the thing. And his remake is like, all right, you've got the Norwegian whatever that was. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, we should go figure out what the hell they were doing. And by going to the location where uh, you basically saw clues of what happened to this, the Norwegian crew, I guess, as it were, you get a similar setup with the spaceship and mm -hmm. uh, the body that was in the block of ice. So some of the same things that happened in that original movie are kind of revealed as have happened previously right. <laughs> in our remake. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting choice to not have this team, our main team, be the ones to discover the alien, that it's a completely different team. It's like you said, it's these Norwegian scientists, I guess is what they are. And uh, we're kind of like halfway through the film before we <laughs> kind of get that scene of like the spaceship and the ice using the thermite, uh, mm -hmm. just like the original. Like you said, getting the alien in that block of ice. It's almost like these Norwegians are taking the place of the scientists in the original film yeah and yeah. it's it's an interesting way of doing it because you don't have to tell the same story beat for beat you're kind of well it happened to them and now we're doing it out of order so it's it's a it's a pretty interesting way right. of doing the same thing but putting a nice twist on it yeah i think in a lot of ways it's a it's a good homage kind of to have this movie be in the spirit of the film but carpenter gets to kind of direct and tell his own story here so like i said if you're going to do the uh, the big spaceship and the block of ice how do you put it so i would say this right the remake does reveal certain alien aspects kind of early but you really don't get into the meat of what happened like you mentioned until the middle of the film whereas the original yes they introduce like this alien aspect but then once that gets introduced they basically tell you everything about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so. Exposition. <laughs> to your point, when you're talking about setup, this remake allows for this almost like psychological drama of like, right. what is this mystery? Who's an alien? Who's not kind of? In the original, it's not really a mystery as to who the alien is. They're kind of singularly focused on stopping mm -hmm. the thing. Right. Yeah, I think it's, um, well, it's obviously sign of the times like you know 1951 this original film's made we're what a few years after roswell so that mm -hmm. alien craze is kind of really surging at that point sure. and there's i don't know how many alien movies there probably were at that time but i'm sure there was a ton um so everybody's everybody's kind of aware of it but maybe some people are fresh to it so that's why there's like a lot of explanation mm -hmm. going on in that original film as opposed to the remake where it's like it's already 1980 at that point there's been a ton of alien movies at that point so they choose to kind of just focus on the characters and kind of that like you said that psychological thing like what's happening to them uh as these weird occurrences are happening because it just might get like stale like 
just explaining it like we did in the 1950 film like well now we found an alien and now we're gonna trap him and then now he's gonna get out it's kind of this um generic formulaic story that's been told like a billion times before so kind of mixing it up saying well these guys found it and these normal guys are just kind of dealing with it so it's not necessarily like military or experts or scientists and stuff like that it's just these guys who are working in antarctica and it's uh yeah it's, it's just a good way of telling the story i think yeah i think so i think to your point you're right that the 1951 you know it's kind of early in the craze like you mentioned but it is formulaic it actually is very similar to when we watch a uh, war of the worlds mm. and there was a, basically a scientist type that explained everything that was happening mm. about their tech how it works so even though like you basically check an alien's pulse next thing you know everyone knows every detail about it <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get into sort of the alien differences in these two films but like sure that works in the 50s where you kind of get your kind of strong jaws like listen to me and this is what we're going to do and mm -hmm. this is how we're going to stop it scenario the remake is a lot more um bleak right it's right because i was doing some research as we typically do one of the words that jumped out at me was sort of nihilistic right like right it's yeah not, it's not really going great <laughs> um um in this remake and you know you had some of that too some of the danger in the original but like this remake is really steeped in you have no idea what's around the corner or what could happen and that mystery really in a lot of ways i think elevates this genre because otherwise you know it's a guy in a rubber suit right right yeah so maybe we could pivot a little bit and just talk about these genres and Ooh. sort of which each film represents more so the original film seems like pretty typical 50s sci-fi right we have aliens from outer space and now we're going to fight them. It's pretty standard for your um, sci-fi movie coming out then. The remake, however, kind of leans a little bit more to the horror aspect. Like we said, a little less scientific, a little more psychological. So it's more of a sci-fi horror, or you can maybe just call it horror, really. Yeah. So I kind of think of this as, and it's not exactly, but it's kind of like when we did The Fly, right? Mm. Our first Fly was very sci-fi. The second one was just, holy shit. <laughs> it's really terrifying. It's a horror. It's very similar what's happening here yeah I, I would say that that's a good comparison because again we always talk about sort of the spirit of the story you know we're hitting these similar beats but when you cross over genres like this it just adds another layer i i appreciated the 1950s version and this sort of the mystery of all right does this creature come in peace that gets solved very quickly <laughs> um <laughs> And then, you know, it becomes sort of an idea of, like, will man triumph over, like, an invading force? A lot of alien movies do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is one of the kind of OG alien movies. The remake, uh, yeah, we're worried about... <laughs> nice. We're worried about if, uh, if man's going to win the day here. But I think somehow they took the alien and made, like, your friend more like scary right. than the alien itself because like once you've identified the alien there's ways to handle it mm -hmm. but uh until you're able to do so uh you're, you're in a really dangerous position and that isolation the not knowing who who's your friend and who's your foe mm -hmm. works really well in the original film i thought the isolation was good because you know you knew the cavalry wasn't coming but more or less they were able to kind of band together as a collective minus a few uh 
rogue <laughs> actors. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should go into the alien more because that plays into why they were able to do that in the remake. They were really completely able to deviate from what the original did. Yeah, I think we are going to kind of dance around this plot until we <laughs> Yeah, until we get into the alien. How these things work. All right, so let's talk about the original alien since he's a little more simple. Our original aliens, kind of a standard alien, uh, especially for the 50s, a really tall man who's very strong. He's bald. They show you his face a little bit. They always call him ugly, and he's, they're not pretty where he comes from. And uh, he kind of has, like, rocks-looking things for hands. I'm not exactly sure. But this isn't a typical alien because it doesn't have, like, organs like anything that we know of. Instead, it's plant-based. A plant-based alien. It's an alien that I can eat, Reggie, because it's completely <laughs> plant-based. Right, right. It's a, a super vegetable, more or less. <laughs> like, a, like a sentient carrot of some sort. Somehow, like, as the scientist character was describing it, I was like, no, oh, this got less scary. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in some ways it didn't, because, you know, there are advantages to being a super smart plant. I mean, we've seen... Hell, Lord of the Rings, those things can, <laughs> trees can get pretty violent. Uh, but like, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. So like gunshots don't work on this right. alien because like you mentioned, there's no organs. Right. But other things that would stop a vegetable <laughs> do. <laughs> but also, you know, it, it doesn't just stop there though because what was interesting about this alien, what I think was explored a little, it's a little more subtle in the remake. <laughs> Uh, when they explore this, but uh, this alien basically procreates or regenerates pretty easily. Mm -hmm. uh, you can make multiple of these things out of one one pod, like some sort of seed or something, right? It feeds off of blood, and basically anytime it gets its hands on blood, whether it's a, um, a dog, whether it's a human, whether it's just plasma you got sitting around the lab, <laughs> uh, this thing's able to survive and sort of recreate itself. Um, so... That's a very unique take on the alien genre because I, I I've never heard of a super carrot, basically. yeah, <laughs> like outside of cartoons and um, like the idea of like the blood regeneration was was actually interesting. You don't see that that often in the genre. Yeah, so like you said, he does need blood to kind of thrive. He doesn't really have too many sort of tr like. Um, qualities like of a plant. The only thing that's sort of scary um, about him being a plant is that he can kind of reproduce on his own yeah. and he can also like grow back limbs. He's able to grow his arm back um, after it's ripped off by the dogs. So the threat isn't just him at a certain point. It's like of him like being able to grow this army and that, that, that can kind of work, you know. I mean it's still kind of silly because it's like oh, it's a vegetable at the end of the day but you know he's strong and he's he wants blood, and if there's more of him, well, that, that's a big problem. So, yeah, I guess as far as weird aliens go, it wasn't too like, oh, this is this is lame. It was it was all right the plant yes. direction, and then they kind of you know they describe like certain plants how they need to eat animals, I guess, or yeah. sort of, like, insects and stuff like that. So you know they kind of yeah, stretch on that tree or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. It works, and then, you know, you look at it through the 1950s filter, so you're like, okay, yeah, sure. Vegetable yeah. alien, why not? <laughs> no yeah. organs, can't get shot. Okay, that's a superpower for vegetables. Why not? Going back, looking at this through uh, the lens of, like, the 50s, as you're describing, 
there's a couple factors here that I think flavor the alien genre, right? One, you do have the Roswell, sort of the flying saucer. Uh, did the government cover it up? That's still a question that we're asking today, right? Um, <laughs> about that. And also you're dealing with a world that literally just went through two world wars back to back. So we're looking at aliens through the lens of invaders. Right. So the fact that you could make an army of aliens quickly, I think audiences at the time really understand the threat of a uh, impending menace. So I think they, they chose kind of the vegetable things, whatever. But like, I think <laughs> they chose a smart way to show this threat. Again, a lot of things are revealed in this original film, but some things aren't. Is, is this the first wave, you know, kind of War of the World style? Is, mm -hmm. is there more coming? That gets talked about a little bit more towards the end of the film, but for, for what it is, like you mentioned, I think this is a strong alien. I, I've definitely seen worse. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I don't really have anything to add to that. Um, should we go on to the remake alien? Yeah, the remake alien gets interesting. Remake Alien is completely different. It's not a being or a creature like the original. You don't see an alien. We never find out exactly what they found in the ice. Instead, this alien is able to imitate other living beings. So, like you said before, those Norwegians were shooting at the dog, the husky. It's because that was the alien. And it's... <laughs> not limited to just dogs it can also become humans so after the dog kills a bunch of other dogs and then they kind of light that on fire they start to get paranoid everybody who's uh working in the antarctica and they start to like think well maybe anybody <laughs> could be an alien then at, at this point so it's the opposite of what you were describing in the original film, where the enemy's from the outside, now the enemy's going to be from within. And as far as <laughs> retelling a story, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a nice, fresh perspective, right? Right. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's, it's such a fresh perspective because, though with some of the practical effects, which are actually fairly strong in this movie... Uh, yeah, I'd say for, so. Yeah. For the time, uh, some of it hasn't aged well, but I would say the majority of it actually still looks pretty good. Yeah, when you see the alien, that's horrific, and you know, you, almost like uh, like the movie Alien style, like things can pop out and grab your arm and stuff like that. Yeah. And big teeth and claws and tendrils, and it, like this <laughs> alien is multifaceted, my friend. Um, but like, weirdly enough, that's not when this alien is the scariest. This alien is the scariest when you're just, hey, Bob, how's it going? Uh, you know, we're sitting next <laughs> to the water cooler. <laughs> next thing you know. Uh, you know, someone's stealing your identity. And the threat is so intense that, you know, there are characters that, like, quite literally contemplate, like, suicide. They're like, I don't want to get impersonated by this alien. Mm -hmm. so, so basically, you're in a situation where you would rather not be alive than deal with, like, whatever this alien's going to do to you. It, it's such a different take on this and just that idea of having it be a dog first is one of the smartest choices I think that they made in the film in the sense that like it could be anything at this point all right mm -hmm. there's a dog that it, maybe it's this dog maybe it's you know a polar bear like who knows what the hell it is but it's it's out there yeah really really cool um setup yeah it's a really interesting setup and you're right it really doesn't kick in until like after that alien dog 
like it does its thing where it's like tentacles are everywhere and the you know the horrible stop motion but it's okay it's all it's all forgivable but yeah when they're all like kind of like turning on each other and they're like i'm not sure the one doctor is like looking up a computer program that tells him there's a 75 percent chance that at least one member of the crew is infected so then he starts to freak out and it's great because there are consequences to this um one member does get shot he's not an alien right (laughs) so and uh like Keith David's character, Child says, he's like, that. well, he wasn't an alien. That makes you a murderer. So, yeah, <laughs> we have straight-up murder in this uh, sci-fi horror movie uh, where an innocent guy is killed because this this paranoia is just really intense among this crew. Young, young Keith David, the voice of Spawn. That's a, yeah, man, his voice, he still has that voice uh, <laughs> at that young age, too. It's that strong voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. Like that that idea is, is interesting too. Like the fact that yeah, he he messes up. Like he kills the wrong guy. Another element that I think they play into well cuz you know, there is the isolation in the first film where, you know, it's hard to reach people. But there's also on top of that, this movie takes it even a step further because when they talk about the Norwegian crew and even their own crew, they're like, well, it was only I I forget what it was. Was it eight weeks or something like that? I was like, that's not enough time to go crazy. It was like, up here? Yeah, it is. So, so, I mean, before you even recognize potentially that this is all the alien, there is this specter of, do they have cabin fever, as they call it, you know? Like, are these people just losing it? Like, when that, like you mentioned, the guy starts freaking out because the 75% chance, (laughs) I'm talking to an alien. (laughs) Is that the alien? Is that being in antarctica like what what is it so it's really cool that they play with just the psychology of being isolated in the first place and then it goes over top when you got creatures from outer space (laughs) killing your crew and potentially overtaking the planet again the the humanity of the film elevates the science fiction of the film Mm -hmm. they took this setting that was there in the original and took it a step further which most of the time we're watching remakes, we don't actually get to see people take those those chances. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really smart decision to kind of focus on those characters and just, <laughs> man, just, who is it? That, that's it's such a good, I mean, it's, it's a kind, not too common trope, but it's such a good hook just to really get you in. Like, who is the alien? And then I was playing the guessing game myself. I was like, it's definitely Kurt Russell. <laughs> that guy's fucking yeah. nuts. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is definitely the guy. He's- Sitting there with the ice on his beard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is just dynamite. It. It's like, bro, chill out. In, in a lot of ways, too, like, it, it's true that, like, Kurt Russell could be the villain, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's acting very strange. But, you know, even beyond that idea of, like, even the guy we're following could be the bad guy, there's also the element, again, less pronounced, but this alien can sort of respawn and like parts of it can can live on and stuff like that even its blood can like freak out and become sentient and stuff so pretty much if there's a trace of this alien or this thing then you potentially have an imitation happening and that something that was introduced in the original film but taken a step further in this remake um i think we're going to say that a decent amount about this film that they one more step you know it's right. interesting yeah because that original it's, it's very simple you got this plant-based alien and then it's trying to kill everybody and then they they like try to light it on a fire it gets away they try to lock it in a room it gets out yeah. it's 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 almost kind of like 
kind of like a like one of those early slashers kind of like this unstoppable serial killer that's just trying to kill you but it's not quite that film because the, yeah. it doesn't have the body count really it's actually very safe uh the film because a lot of deaths happen off screen i think mm -hmm. the only human characters in the original film are killed off screen and then you just hear about them like and then you strung them upside down and slit their throats you're like whoa are they gonna show yeah. that no they don't they, <laughs> they never show anything <laughs> approaching that at all so a couple humans die even the one human you think is going to die the guy who's like trying to be on the side of the alien like stop your stupid military men we have to talk to it not fight it and you're like oh he's <laughs> he's gonna get his and then he does get his but he's, he's just like oh he's just a little roughed up it's like wow well, yeah. fuck <laughs> or does he somebody die you know it's like i don't even bloody nose or broken collarbones like that's not enough yeah it's like i don't even know who died because their deaths were off screen and it's like uh it's a black and white movie and you know, not for nothing, but everybody kind of looks the same. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So it's like, all right, what's going on here? And, you know, it's just very different in the original where we have these very different characters. They have very distinct character traits that are introduced pretty early. So we know like, oh, that's that's the weird guy. That's the roller skating guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's the paranoid guy. So even though there's like all these characters in the remake, they really do a good job of, you know, distinguishing them among one another. And uh, it gets pretty gory for some of their deaths. There are some off-screen deaths in yeah. the remake, too. And I read that it was mostly due to, like, budget issues that they just couldn't film certain scenes. But um, there are some very gruesome <laughs> deaths sure. at the same time. So it's, uh, it's pretty intense, <laughs> that remake. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, without really getting into sort of, like, the end of these aliens... Uh, I think it is important to talk about their weaknesses because I, you know, I heard you talking about, you know, trying to burn them and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. I kind of laughed in the original when the uh, sort of that love interest character, when they started talking about it being a vegetable, of course, the lady in the movie was like, oh, like, why don't you cook it or like, <laughs> boil it or something. And it just made me think of like Lord of the Rings, like boil and mash and stick them in a stew. <laughs> you know, that's for, that's for the nerds. Uh, <laughs> But like, yeah, that that's a weakness, right? Like, so gunshots don't really work. Um, mm -hmm. Even when people are shooting their guns, they're not aiming great. <laughs> like the guy jokes him is like, "Hey, you want to try to raise that barrel a little bit next time?" <laughs> um, but like, yeah, this alien is susceptible to specifically flame. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if it's a vegetable, it can be cooked. In the remake, sort of the same setup. You know, uh, it's not a vegetable, but fire is its weakness. Right. And again, it's introduced in this film, not by some lady saying, if it's a carrot, you should cook it. <laughs> because there um, are no ladies, as we've established. That's true. That's true. Had there been one, perhaps you would <laughs> <laughs> to help them. But, uh, but in the remake, it's interesting that they learn about this weakness, again, from the Norwegian crew. Right. Yeah. You know, that sort of what's cool about this film is that there was the trial and error <laughs> Yeah. on the other side. You see how bad it can get in the same scenarios happening to them. Uh, but, you know, they notice the burned bodies of the aliens and that tips them off as to uh, that's a weakness. And it comes into play with, like we mentioned, the alien's blood. And, you know, mm -hmm. get that hot enough, it might freak out. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's... Um... The fire in the original film, there's a pretty intense action sequence. I, I want to get into that because yeah. we're talking about this. Um, they decide, like, we got all these tubs of kerosene, so let's just throw it at him. And then 
light them on fire and they don't <laughs> that like they don't show you a lot of deaths but they don't you know pull any punches when it comes to this scene because like they fucking legit light this dude on fucking fire and then like every all the actors are just like in the room it's like one shot <laughs> um it's not not intended to look cool like what they do with today's uh one shots it's just like this is the style of the time they're just gonna do one long shot this dude constantly getting lit on fire like you said, our lead actress is in the room too, like just behind like a fucking mattress or something. Yeah. And that shit catches on fire. I was like, what? Do they even have like the safety protocols in the 50s? No, or, they did. <laughs> they're just like, just fucking light everything on fire. Like, um, so that just because like I didn't think they knew what they were doing, <laughs> that just like shocked the shit out of me. I was like, they're just gonna burn the whole goddamn set down. Yeah, I, I was watching the scene, I was like, that's crazy because like that guy's on fire right yeah, yeah that guy's and, legit on fire and you're right like we're not talking about stunt doubles like you got your whole crew potentially <laughs> uh going up in flames and i again that not only that scene like uh i freaked out too but i also kind of laughed because the guy was like yeah we almost burned down the whole whole place yeah. like in in character and just like yeah maybe next time a little bit lighter on the fire i'm like yeah you think <laughs> but yeah that in terms of action, that was definitely a standout scene to me because uh, what they did there uh, without revealing the end was much more cli climactic. Yeah, like it was a much more interesting scene than how the uh, the alien ultimately, you know, gets addressed in that film. But it, it's just like, yeah, they would have got on fire and just had a front and door room. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was... It's pretty awesome. They are just, you know, they did this in the 50s. They just lit everything the fuck on fire. Was, that's insane. Uh, it's an enjoyable scene. and just, like, yeah. completely unsafe looking. So. Oh, yes. No one thought that through. No, I don't think they did. But uh, hopefully nobody was injured. I didn't look up anything <laughs> to see if anybody was. But um, I'm going to assume everybody made it out okay after that shot. Yeah. Um, and then when the remake, we don't throw, we don't just throw kerosene because that's so lame. What do we got to do, Reggie? We got a fucking flamethrower. <laughs> Multiple flamethrowers in this remake. And they don't like wait till like the end. <laughs> They're like, yo, the fucking dog just turned into an alien like 20 minutes in the movie. Get the fucking flamethrower. Yeah. Like, before Kurt Russell even sees <laughs> what this thing is, <laughs> we're just like heard like Max says, get the flamethrower. The guy's like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't always any fucking yes. time in the remake i love that they had flamethrowers yeah <laughs> i mean you know there's a lot of ice they're doing research maybe they gotta fair enough you know dig make some tunnels or something who knows it doesn't matter to me <laughs> they're flamethrowers <laughs> i mean just it's worth it just to have like you mentioned kurt russell was just like looking disheveled and he's like i said he's got dynamite in one hand and flamethrowing <laughs> the other one. he's like don't make me do it man <laughs> <laughs> and then like just the <laughs> the absurdity of everyone's tied up in chairs. He's just sitting there like, yeah, I'm going to test your blood. Right, you're good. <laughs> let's let's talk about the blood testing since you, you're talking about yeah. it. I, I want to get into that scene more because it is pretty absurd when you think about it. <laughs> so I, I guess to, to kind of start start that off, um, in the, just to make a parallel with the original. In the original, we have like a kind of scientist guy who kind of turns into an evil scientist uh because he's our safety is not more important than science was his rationale and basically him and some of his science buddies were like growing these things it's like wait a minute we're trying to deal with this one you're growing more what the fuck is wrong with you um 
so like there's kind of that betrayal um and secrecy in the original film in that sense uh in the remake the betrayal and stuff like that is built in because anyone could be an alien right and for because of that mystery element they have to uh come up with tests to figure out who's an alien mm -hmm. and one of them is his blood test if you want to pick up from there <laughs> yeah so um just backtracking a little bit like one of the guys uh was infected he was an alien and then kurt russell noticed um as they were burning him <laughs> um that like even like any part of him that got burned like it hurt the whole alien like it was like everything was like an important part of the alien so like even the blood would hurt it like so he realizes like if we just burn everybody's blood a little sample of your blood we'll find out who the alien is so <laughs> he somehow agrees to get every everybody tied up Seriously. even this is after they already suspected him of being the alien right. but he's got he's got that dynamite though so i guess he's pretty convincing <laughs> he's holding that dynamite oh you're gonna all tie yourselves up and i'm gonna test your blood and i'm like okay so that's kind of what happens just to even backtrack a little bit before that, uh, I forget the character's name. I think it's like Folks or something like that. Yeah, F-A-U-C uh, yeah. or... I, no, I did have to pronounce it because, honestly, a lot of these characters are expendable. <laughs> um, but, like, he does see that, like, McCready's, like, jumpsuit or something like that right. out in the snow. So he's like, is this guy a fucking alien? And he leaves him out to die in the snow. Which, uh, you know, if you left me out to die in the snow, I might... You know, take a flamethrower and some dynamite. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to—I just wanted to add that element because you're right. At this point, is McCready, like you mentioned before, is he an alien? And if so, how did he convince everybody? Yeah, <laughs> to, to tie themselves up. Well, he's got that dynamite, so that, I guess that's pretty convincing. It's funny too because, like, you think like everybody's paranoid of him. You think he'd start by like burning his own blood first, but he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he burns somebody else's first, yeah. and then he goes, "Well, now it's time." for you to know what do I already do? And then he burns his blood. So they pretty much like get like a sample of everybody's blood, put it in like a little dish and then uh, burn uh, like a safety pin. Like copper wire. Yeah, or something like a paper clip or something. And then they just put it to the blood and like everybody's like, if no, no reaction, then that person's not the alien. Um, <laughs> so they're all tied up and then they test it on somebody. I forget exactly the guy's name. Um, but he freaks out. Turns out he's the alien. But, you know, he's tied up right next to two other <laughs> yeah. dudes who are just freaking the fuck out. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you, you got childs over here like, oh, I need more. Oh, man. It, it, that is a fun. Like, I don't know if they intentionally wanted it to be that kind of hilarious. I mean, it is both horrifying and kind of hilarious because it was like no yeah well it just goes to show you they're not the best planners like oh yeah if somebody is an alien that's kind of fucked up for the other people who are tied right. up right next to them maybe we should have you know put them in separate areas of the room therefore it'd be easier to handle this alien instead of like uh oh what do we do now because <laughs> he's right next to those other two guys so well, um, I like, I poor like planning that, uh, in that yeah it's poor planning because there is a moment in the movie where uh, i think uh, gary or something like that um is basically the guy who should be in charge but he felt like he wasn't up to it he's like nah i'm good but kurt russell's been drinking for like eight hours <laughs> this guy's been drinking a, a bottle of jb for fucking 
the whole movie and he's the guy <laughs> coming up with the plans yeah of course he tied well, first, everybody well first child's is like I'll, I'll be in charge and you're like whoa 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 we're not gonna let the black guy be in charge let's, yeah, yeah. let, let's let the drunk white guy be in charge <laughs> no the black guy he's uh he, he's too uh he's too hot-headed that was yeah, the excuse yeah. i'm like really <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> Okay, he's the hothead. The other guy with the dynamite. He's fine. <laughs> the other guy says, I'm going to fucking kill you if you don't back the fuck off. <laughs> yeah, we put him in charge. So uh, very poor planning all around with this crew. <laughs> just just a lot of stupid little mistakes. I mean, you yeah. know, to but, errors human, so uh, they're yeah, not going to do everything perfect. <laughs> this is the type of stuff that a bunch of guys up in Antarctica <laughs> might do, you know. I, I actually like that. Uh, that they're messing up. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think that it it shows that, like, yeah, I would rather see kind of that element than kind of what you get in that original, which is just, we can do anything. Right. Like, nah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a really fun scene. Yeah. Are there any other, like, fire scenes in either movie where they are um, just, and scenes in general where they fight the alien that are kind of noteworthy? So in, in the original, I did want to uh, make note of, um, you know, like you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of the off-screen deaths, but I wanted to make note of, one, the idiot, like you mentioned, that put an electric blanket on the fucking freezing <laughs> ice block with a creature from space on it. He's like, I don't want to look at this thing. I also don't want to unplug this electric blanket. <laughs> Why is this blanket warm for no reason? Oh, well, better put it on this block of ice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, man, I knocked out this window, so it'll be really cold in here. You stay warm. The alien stays cold. <laughs> like, idiot. Um, but uh, when, one, when they figure figure out the arm thing, which we kind of talked about, but, like, they, there are scenes where they go into that greenhouse uh, in the original right. that I thought were kind of cool, and they had to, like, kind of close the door and the fucking arms <laughs> hanging out. So, like, there is some action, like we mentioned, in this original. So, I guess... Um, I mean, that's really it. The greenhouse, the fire scene, and our ultimate kind of ending. But, you know, got to bring up the greenhouse because to me, it's sort of the equivalent of uh, the scene we just talked about with everyone tied up, kind of. Right. You know? Yeah, they don't show the alien too much in the original film. They talk about him a lot before you actually see him, like, because they could see him through the ice and we were not able to. Same thing with the UFO. Like, mm -hmm. there's not really a UFO in that original film. It's just, like, a fin that's sticking <laughs> out of the ice, and then you just see, oh, it's an exploded, so we can't even see the <laughs> UFO now. <laughs> maybe, the remake maybe, has I, a little more of a budget where you actually do see the whole UFO, so, you know, I'll give it to the remake there. But, you know, you gotta make do with what you got <laughs> in the 1950s, so if a fin under the ice is enough to say it's a UFO, and then just describing it like, look at us in a circle, like it's a flying saucer, like one of those Martians. That's another thing they do a lot in that original. Alien and Martian are <laughs> kind of interchangeable. They're, at this they're point. interchangeable. <laughs> Man from Mars. There's another scene, I forget exactly the setup for it, but where, uh, with just kerosene, they burn an alien in a remake. Um, like, they do another scene where they burn some yeah creature. i think i might know what you're talking about there's a a scene where one of the guys um is there with one of the dead bodies or something yeah. and then he gets like strangled by the weird alien tentacle thing and then he kind of breaks out and they catch up with him outside and then he's 
this is where you're sort of introduced to the idea that the alien could be anybody because right. he's not fully transformed yet. Like he looks like the guy, but his arms look completely. Yeah, they got. Yeah. yeah, and at that point, they're like, "Well, we gotta fucking burn it all." So we gotta burn the aliens. We gotta burn any dead bodies. Nothing um, from this alien could be alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll just affect, uh, imitate. For, for you Game of Thrones fans, this is the Nightwalker theory. <laughs> leave, nothing, <laughs> leave nothing behind. There so you go. That was yeah, you're right. That was a little bit earlier on. Um, one of the first real like imitation reveals, like it's not fully right. formed. Um, yeah, that was a really smart way to kind of show the danger that they were in. Uh, there was so much other cool stuff happening that I kind of forgot <laughs> what the setup was. But uh, yeah, then like I said, Game of Thrones style, I just burn this guy. You see, it's pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of um, like you said, there's. A lot of practical effects were obviously pre-CGI, and um, I think most of it holds up pretty well. Like that scene yeah. where like the guy's arms come up and they don't look human. That 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 yeah, that's pretty convincing. I don't yeah. think like oh that looks like stupid and rubbery. It's a lot of um, kind of like how do I describe this? Almost like skinless, like wet skinless yeah. alien yeah. Uh, approach. It's just to how it looks like when it's not in a an animal or human form when it's true identity is kind of revealed sure. i guess um very wet looking and very bloody and yeah. skinless it's it's pretty gross and uh you know it looks good but like you know the stop motion i think is where it kind of like the stop where it doesn't where it doesn't age too well like there's the one scene where the the guy's just ahead and then the, the sort of like insect legs come out of yeah, it yeah, yeah. so it's just like all right back yeah, yeah. right there but you know it's looked good enough to this point they don't rely too heavily on the stop motion so um i'm allowed i'll i'll give it a little bit of a yeah, forgiveness yeah there's, there. there's like two questionable like you mentioned stop motion kind of things but like when when it's sort of just like a set piece right like here it is right. here's the yeah. alien anatomy it works really well uh it, like you were saying, like the wet look. Again, another weird reference, but uh, in Invader Zim, the uh, children's cartoon, there's a scene where it's like, let's see what your organs look like on the outside. And it, like, there's a lot of that, like squishy organ-like stuff, um, wet, bloody, gross. Um, it works really well, freaked me out. Um, even like you mentioned, uh, I know it's fake, but mm -hmm. it's still your mind uh, you know, it plays tricks on your mind. That, that was really good effect. Uh, yeah. So I, I would say that was the highlight. Of, of Definitely. Like highlight. When, when they go to the Norwegian camp for the first time and then they find the, oh, the alien guy. carcass there and then they bring it back and then they show you the face. Like they've kind of showed you like parts of the body, but then they actually like do a close up of the face like after they're done talking about it. It's freaky looking. It's like two faces, like sort yeah. of side by side but they're not symmetrical so it's like it's it's pretty jarring <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah it looks good like it's just like you said it's just like a set piece that doesn't really move or anything it looks great and uh it looks pretty solid like that's yeah that's a fucking freaky looking alien for sure yeah i think your comparison to the fly definitely fits here like anything that's sort of in this grotesque like middle ground between man and alien or dog and alien like that that's when these effects really shine because when you don't really have a frame of reference for the thing, mm -hmm. their creativity really shines. When something is sort of supposed to look human-like, that gets iffy here and there. Um, but yeah, the, that stuff really worked. Uh, 
even the chair scene, which like you mentioned some of the stop action, but like the way like the alien's body like extends and his foot goes through the floor, like it, it just it's really for the most part believable. I I enjoyed the effects. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't really have anything approaching that, the 1950s film, no. uh, like I was saying, you barely see the alien. I think part of that is because when you do see him, it's just like, oh, it's a really tall, bald man. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not really intimidating. Sure, he's got the weird, uh, stony-looking knuckles and everything. Yeah. But uh, he's just kind of like a dude in a jumpsuit and uh, <laughs> doesn't really talk and it kind of grunts. I don't know. It's uh it's okay. <laughs> what are yeah. you gonna do? It's the 1950s. I'm not expecting to be blown away by the, their alien. Yeah, it's like came from wrestling with uh, little <laughs> tentacles sometimes. Like, yeah, guy, guy in a jumpsuit running around being all tall. Um, like a lot of these films, it works. It works actually better when you get sort of the uh, the hint of the alien. Yeah. Or you know, once you actually see the. The movie monsters sometimes it exactly. does take you out of it. Yeah, it's kind of like that Jaws effect. Like not seeing it makes it a bigger threat because like you don't know when it's gonna come and like when he does finally come, you're like, oh, he looks pretty fucking silly, doesn't he? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but yeah, just the the not knowing is definitely the scarier part. Your imagination is scarier than what <laughs> that they did with that alien. Absolutely, absolutely. Do, do we want to try to? Um... Because I know we've talked about this alien quite a bit. Do we want to try to describe some of our our crew? Because, yeah, uh, we can do that. Yeah, sure. In we'll start with kind of like our kind of the square jaw, like the lead type character. In mm -hmm. in the thing from another world, Kenneth Toby plays Captain Patrick Hendry. Hendry, it reminds me of Goodfellas. <laughs> I'm doing Hendry. Uh, I'm gonna make a lot of references. And then Kurt <laughs> Russell plays McCready. So these two kind of occupy that same space, right? Like, right. Uh, you know, a tough, you know, <laughs> but they uh, smart enough to lead other people. Um, people tend to, except when they're being absolutely insane in the remake, uh, mm. tend to follow them and, you know, trust them. And it helps to have that, that sort of grounding figure in both movies, uh, even if it is just kind of like your standard, um, Boy Scout's not the right word, but like your standard, I'm the lead male <laughs> actor in a movie. <laughs> um, Toby's Captain Hendry though, like, I don't know, very much a 50s portrayal. Like it, it feels almost like film noir at times. Like everyone's a fast talker, <laughs> you know, um, Call the captain. What's he say? He said that? <laughs> Tell him this. <laughs> I can't believe I'm not getting this scoop. Oh, shut <laughs> up, Scotty. You know, it's a lot of dialogue happening very fast, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like that he has his love interest in um, in Margaret Sheridan's character, Nikki Nicholson. And I thought it was actually kind of interesting how much they talked about, like, their last encounter, right? It was kind of a, kind of a lot of talk about getting down uh, for the 50s. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I guess they have a history. I didn't think their uh, love story was that interesting, actually. So I'm gonna <laughs> yeah disagree with you there. That's fair. Uh, I guess it's interesting the fact that it's there and it's not in the remake. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, so yeah, we have this Hendry, and then we have this love interest, Nikki Nicholson, and 
she doesn't really do anything other than the what you said just like yeah boil a vegetable and that's the yeah. only thing i can really think of she's that also she keeping a pretty intense secret because she knows what the scientists are up to oh when they're growing the stuff yeah yeah, yeah. it's like well i'm not supposed to tell you because i work for these guys <laughs> i'm like all right weird time to uh keep your allegiance to your fucking job you know um no, you're right. It's not that interesting, but <laughs> <laughs> but she's there. And, she is um, there, and they have a history, and uh, they like to drink. And for some reason, uh, later in the movie, he's going to be tied up while she pours drinks down his throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that's Why what not? you have in your uh, sci-fi alien movies. Uh, man, just having a drinking competition while he's pretending to be tied up. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, I think the only reason I brought both those people up is because they're characters, and uh, the fact that they kind of like each other is the character trait that they have. That <laughs> is their character trait. Um, the movie kind of weirdly revolves around this love story that they have going on, and you're, the whole time you're just like, are we really doing this? <laughs> like, are, we, are we really doing it? And then it's, it's part of the ending, so it's, it really plays into the story. Pretty yeah, it, uh, for some reason... Um, Anyway, I bring all that up really just so we can talk about the real guy we want to talk about, the creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I like this. Uh, I like a lot of Kurt Russells, but this is maybe one of my favorite Kurt Russells. Yeah, he's great. I love his introduction too. He's like playing uh, chess on his uh, computer, yeah. and then he's he's drinking and he loses. So he has some some gamer rage. He's like, "Fuck this!" He just pours his drink on the computer and he's like, "Fuck no! Fucking computer is gonna beat me at chess." Yeah. I think he called yeah. it a cheating bitch yep. <laughs> when he that's, lost. That's the exact line. Rook to a four, yeah, cheating bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it's one of the metaphors because he's gonna be playing chess with these aliens later. Uh -huh. Yeah, but he's not a scientist he's just as far as i can tell he's just the helicopter pilot i think so yeah i think him and childs are uh are pilots okay and then you know all the eggheads are doing egghead stuff but like right but kurt russell's gonna get drunk in his shack the whole time <laughs> he's gonna get drunk uh he's an intellectual he plays chess he's not that much of an intellectual because he loses <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's a very sore uh loser <laughs> yeah and breaks his only source of entertainment <laughs> Like, uh, you know, it's a it's a good intro. Like, this gruff, um, yeah. you know, rough-around-the-edge guy who, you know, we know he's a little rough-around-the-edge because he's drinking. And, you know, throughout the film, we learn that he doesn't take shit. No, he does not take shit. <laughs> he, he, he told that computer he's going to tell his fucking alien. He's going he's gonna to tell the computer. He's going to tell his friends uh, <laughs> that I will blow us all up. <laughs> He'll... He'll fight the guy who uh, tried to stab him with the, the scalpel. Like, this guy is is no joke. Um, and, you know, he's the type of character that you would expect to stick around a decent amount in, um, in this type of scenario. Oh, yeah, definitely. The fearless guy would definitely be able to survive this whatever impending horror that's coming around but it's funny though because like early um when they have to first fly to the norwegian camp he's like i don't know the skies look kind of a little rough i don't know if i can fly it's like shut up mccready you get up there it'll be <laughs> nice and clear <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's pretty good like um it, it, what's cool like you mentioned before about this remake is that everyone does have character traits right so some characters um kind of naturally have their alliances based off their own 
uh, backgrounds with each other and others have tension. Like him and Childs, they're, you know, they're good enough friends, but like they fight. <laughs> right. They fight all the time. And, you know, it's, it's a good dynamic to have that human element of, all right, these two people probably trust each other more than this set of people might. Right. So when, you know, there's this natural distrust of who's an alien, right. uh, it plays really well here. And uh, for some reason, Childs is just, he's, he's too much of a hothead. <laughs> Versus like the original, there's no, there's no tension like that. Like if you follow C Captain Hendry and that's it. And uh, Well, there's tension because there's that sort well, of split between the scientists and the military. So there's well, a little bit of well, there. Well, I guess I was going to say that, like, uh, from like the military perspective, excuse me, you're right that oh. like there's no tension there. But when it comes to sciences, it's like, well, you know what? I am lying. There's a lot of tension. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, Scotty wants his story and he can't get his story until he, he talks to people. Um, the scientists want science and he's like, shut up. <laughs> this, is <funny. laughs> this is Air Force business. So yeah, you know what? There is tension. Huh? More character traits, Dan. <laughs> no. Yeah, but where do you go from there, right? Yeah, where do I go from there? <laughs> it's, it's, um, you got this alien. Do we want to talk about this scientist? We could talk about the other characters, too, um, since we are kind of dropping them. Yeah, if you want to just add the scientist, since that is a source of tension in both films. So we have Robert Cornthwaite as Dr. Arthur Carrington in the original, and we have Wilford Brimley as Dr. Blair you know, and uh, they're both sort of a pain in the ass for our, our yeah. lead macho man. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with the original. Um, Dr. Carrington, just, uh, you know, he's just a man of science. As soon as the aliens discovered, he just immediately wants to study it. Uh, but, you know, Captain Henry's like, no, we, I need to hear the orders from Fogarty um, back at home. So nothing happens until uh, we get the orders from the top. Uh, the whole time, sort of Carrington's just like, oh, I just want to study the alien. And then once the alien gets out, you know, once they're like, we're on the defense, now we got to defend ourselves against this thing. Carrington's still like, no, man, can't we just study it? Like, what, what's yeah. going on here? So those two are going to butt heads a lot. Um, it doesn't really go anywhere, though. Like you said, um, he does grow the plants. It doesn't, there's no consequence from really growing the plants. They don't really sort of do anything to Carrington. They don't really, like, lock him up. They sort of put him away so he can't, like, do any harm or anything. But all that really happens is this character just gets punched by right. the alien. So there's not, like... That human versus human element doesn't really come into play at all. Yeah. It, ultimately. It, it's there, and, you know, Carrington has this more or less theory that um, it's this vegetable is so damn smart mm -hmm. that like we're its inferiors please mr vegetable tell me all the secrets of the universe um and you're right like that that thirst for knowledge uh clouds his judgment because at a certain point you know he's trying to make nice with this alien and uh that is how he gets punched trying to be friends with uh <laughs> the creature that's been killing off people and like <laughs> stringing them upside down i mean I guess that's easy to overlook when, you know, you're growing more of them in your, your basement. Um, but yeah, Carrington, you're right. Like, there's this, a lot of this grandstanding and this big sort of these flowery speeches about science and man and what we're going to do. And it ultimately kind of ends in like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, 
which I'm okay with. I'm okay with because I don't think they were ready to necessarily explore right. the real implications of what they were doing. They just had this natural foil of like the military guys are going to do what the military guys are going to do and the scientist guys are going to do what they're going to do. And uh, they're competing interests that have to kind of come together right. by the end and say, hey, how do we stay alive? Yeah. I mean, it ultimately makes sense with um, sort of the direction they were going. The enemy is from the outside. You know, this isn't about us and our differences. This is about us coming together and destroying this enemy from the outside. So they stay on message by not having the ultimate conflict become between the lead military guy and lead scientist, you know. Yeah. Let's just get him punched, get him out of the way. Let's just take care of the real threat, the enemy from the outside. Yeah, and I think uh, because of some of the limitations that this film has, like you mentioned, the spaceship gets blown up and other things don't get seen. Um, I think part of it is... you you got to round out your movie with uh, something. So adding that element is just, you know, more kind of padding, more backstory yeah. for the film. And it breaks things up between, you know, look, you're only going to light a guy on fire only so many times. <laughs> 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 so, you know, you got to fill your time with some, some other things. Yeah, so they created some tension that was not really that important. But, you know, just to keep the story interesting so it's not all on the alien who we don't see for most of the movie. Right. Now, a very different yeah. doctor uh, from our remake, our Dr. Blair, Wilford Brimley, who um, seems pretty, you know, level-headed <laughs> at mm -hmm. first. But then, you know, as soon as he gets on that computer and he plays his little simulation of the alien cell, eating the dog cell and becoming the dog cell, then somehow it just tells him 75% chance that one of your buddies is infected. Then he starts to fucking just... <laughs> get off the reservation oh, yeah. at that point. He, he loses it. Now, <laughs> I'll never understand these like 80s and 90s era computer programs that just like, oh, you got an alien here? Yeah, let me just run some simulations for you. <laughs> then the text comes up and it's like 75% chance of the Earth. Like what program? Yeah, how does it? <laughs> <laughs> the chance that if someone you know is an alien program? I, I didn't know they had those in the 80s. Run alien.exe. Like what's <laughs> It's it's absurd, but like you know, it works. Look, it. Uh, I mean, everything's just kind of laid out, right? You know, there's seventy five percent chance the guy you're talking to is an alien. Within twenty seven thousand hours, if, if one of these things hits civilization, uh, the world, the whole world is going to get overtaken by these imitation alien things, right? So, the the reality of of um, the existential dread that all of humanity is going through at the moment is just too much for Wilfred Brimley. Uh, <laughs> no, diabetes, not so much, but uh, this, this, this is too much. And man, does he start freaking out? Like, this guy is, he's destroyed, what, the generator? He destroyed their communications. He destroyed the helicopter, the, the helicopter. tractors. <laughs> The dogs that were still alive. Dude, you fucking, you don't see it, but you see the yeah. aftermath. You just see dead dogs with an axe, like, stuck in their neck. Oh, and my he, God. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And which sets up that, that great scene later, which it's definitely an alien. But he's like, guys, I'm okay now. Like, you, you let me out now. Like, I'll admit, I, I flew off the handle a little bit, but, you know, I'm okay now because I was in this room for an hour. Yeah, yeah. By myself. <laughs> Not building an alien spaceship. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like he's not, 
evil, right? Like he's just he, he's again the psychological aspect of this film. It's yeah. overtaking him. You know, um, in this case, it's because of an alien threat. But that could have happened after nine months of being the, the uh, Antarctic by yourself with a bunch of guys you don't like that much. <laughs> yeah, um, so it's it's kind of a combination, or it's it could be a combination of like that yeah. cabin fever mixed with this paranoia of the alien getting out. So it's yeah. like he's he's sort of you can sort of see where he's coming from. I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. How do you make that noose that quick? Where do you get the materials? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what that noose was. Uh, it was just he made was, that, and it was just yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely seem better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're doing crafts in here. Little, Great. Great. You just close a little eye hole, like all right. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Come on, you gotta, you gotta let me out, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, but uh, you know, they, I guess both scientists serve the same purpose. One uh, looks at a arm, says, "Hmm, this is vegetable matter. Um, it must be a super smart vegetable from outer space that's way smarter than us and is able to uh, feed off of blood. And it's the greatest thing. We're going to win Nobel prizes for this, you know." Um, versus Wilford Brimley, who's like, "Holy fuck." <laughs> <laughs> Earned it all down. <laughs> hey man, there's there's a middle ground somewhere between these two <laughs> scientists. <laughs> yeah. Who what, ultimately though, which one um which one's crazier? Uh I mean, you gotta go with Wilford Brimley just because of what we know he is in the end. Yeah. I you know, it was like I'm sitting there like the guy's actively helping the alien that's trying to kill him. Um, I'm like, that guy's pretty nuts. But then you look at Wilford Brimley <laughs> and, uh, with, I, again, I can't remember all the characters' names, but like the guy's in the corner, he's got the bandage on his head and he's just like, oh, <laughs> make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was Windows. They got, they got some, uh, interesting names in the remake. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, that was fun. I mean, that was another, to me, standout character. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And we'll definitely get into him more when we talk about the ending, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Any other characters of note in the original? I mean, we, I mean we, let's talk about Scotty a little bit. Scotty. We got ripped on Scotty. Um, that's kind of what the other characters in the original do. <laughs> just kind of rip on Scotty. Um, so Scotty's our beat reporter, just looking for that hot story. And he's just uh, following these military guys until he could find it. Uh, so he's actually invited out of the kindness of Dr. <laughs> Captain Captain Hendry's heart, just like, all right, if, is it okay if we bring Scotty? Because he needs a scoop. It's like, Jesus, oh, what a nice person you are to bring Scotty along. And uh, what Scotty don't know is that he can't get shit done. <laughs> Scotty can't do anything. Scotty no. doesn't know. Um, no. he, he's not allowed to report on <laughs> the facts. When he tries to take the photo, he trips on his own feet. Oh, I got a photo of the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, Scotty, you fucked up. <laughs> but, you know, he plays a lot of the, because there isn't much in this film, but he plays a lot of the comic relief. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the running bit is that, you know, Scotty's always just missing it, you know. <laughs> Did you get your score, story, Scotty? He's like, no. <laughs> Did you get the picture, Scotty? No. <laughs> um, and, but, like, ultimately, um, weirdly kind of important, by the end, you know, something I guess we'll talk about. Like, he gets a lot of uh, talking time uh, for a guy that's supposed to be our comic relief. 
yeah, so Scotty, comic relief, one of the few memorable characters that's like every time I saw him, I was like, oh, there's Scotty, because he, yeah. he was the only one that was bald, <laughs> so that helps a lot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's, he's sort of our comic relief. Um, he sort of has a commentary on everything that's happening. I like the one part where uh, they're getting the orders from Fogarty, and he's like, you should use thermites to blow up, open uh, the UFO from the ice. He's like, ha, leave it to the top breast to have the same stupid idea as you guys <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, this guy, you know, like, for a guy, I guess, like, him and Hendry's uh, relationship, I got to kind of respect it, you know, even though we don't know a lot about both of them. The fact that he would say, all right, Hendry, I'm not going to, you know, let the scoop out until you let right. me, you know, that they have that type of trust amongst each other, and uh, they do have the ability to kind of, I mean, Scotty's more the punching bag, but, like, Scotty punches back a little bit, too, in, uh, in some ways. Yeah. And ultimately, I guess if you do have sort of this story of the century, this, this man from Mars, um, right. as it always is for some reason, <laughs> um, like, hey, I guess it's important for someone to be there to document it. And I think that, that does come into play a little bit later with Scotty in the film. But he, he is in a movie of, I remember the names of two characters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, um, Scotty's one of them. Exactly. So, um, kudos to Douglas Spencer for giving us a memorable portrayal mm -hmm. as Scotty. Yeah. Um, anybody else in the original film? Because there's not really one to ones. Everybody else is kind of forgettable. Yeah. I, honestly, I was going to say that you know, in general, the crew from the original is they're bad. They're, they're not good. They don't yeah. do anything right. <laughs> um, besides, I guess the, the whole generator setup towards the end but like other than that i mean they're the guys that put the fucking electric blanket on the alien you know? <laughs> yeah it, it, a, lot, a lot of things fall through the cracks of this crew and I, I feel like the remake crew especially with just childs you know by himself mm -hmm. uh carries a lot more weight and does a lot more important things <laughs> for the plot so it's hard to remember anyone in the original yeah to be funny, uh, another aside uh, speaking about forgettable stuff this was completely by accident, but I'm wearing my Midsummer Burn Him shirt. No, oh, <laughs> very nice. So, uh, very appropriate for this uh, topic. It's one of my favorite movies about burning. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back uh, to those minor characters, they are very forgettable. Like I said before, two characters died off screen, and um, I guess that raises the tension. But it doesn't Any matter movies. who it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't even matter that they died because like. Who, who are they? <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody seemed to care <laughs> that these characters had died at this point. It was just like, well, I'm still going to hit on you because yeah. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Um, so very forgettable side characters other than really the four we talked about. So yeah. um, let's move on to the sure. more interesting characters in the remake. And uh, we talked about Childs a little bit. You want to elaborate maybe a little bit more on Keith David? I mean I mean, you know, for me, Keith David feels like sort of a, a counter sort of weight or like counterpoint to uh, McCready right. in the sense that I think that they are in many ways equivalents. And I guess if he wasn't the hothead, I guess, then he would be the natural leader. Childs, very much like McCready, does not take shit. Right. <laughs> uh, and... For me, like that really stuck out, and um, again, because of that, it makes sense to me how long he lasts in the film as well. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, 
Right. He he's very similar to if you subscribe to the theory that McCready is an alien, then Childs de facto becomes kind of like the hero of your film because right. he's the only one that can really push back against uh, against him with any authority. Right. Yeah, I definitely see Childs as the equal. Like, um, just they can go. I could see them going head to head, just like in just like toughness, grittiness, physical prowess, whatever. Um, they're the two tough guys um, that you don't want to fuck with. They could definitely take charge and like lead everybody. So I definitely saw them on pretty even playing field, except that uh, I guess McCready just get some dynamite <laughs> and it's like everybody's like all right I'll tie me up <laughs> uh but you know child's pretty interesting character and um i mean it's just keith david you know <laughs> and yeah. delivering a solid keith david performance it's just that that the voice man just that yeah you know a, she, that goliath voice is <laughs> i almost want to hear him just say she <laughs> you know like like uh I just like the, this idea that him, rightfully so, questioning McCready's authority because it's just like, wait a minute, like you mentioned, you killed that guy. He was not an alien. Uh, you know, you're you're not acting, you know, uh, normal. Um, who says you're not an alien? All that stuff. So, like, I, I think that you need a you need a child in there to push back. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we're just kind of watching McCready and just taking him at face value. And I think. Having the like I mentioned the counterweight uh, is good for the audience too because you know I'm sure there's tons of theories and things like that floating around the internet right. about what's happening in this movie and when. No, it's great because if you don't have Childs, then you're just you are going to take McCready as the leader and you're going to assume he's not infected because he has to be the leader. But you have somebody capable like Childs. Well, if McCready's infected, then Childs could easily just take his place. So you need that. And the fact that there's tension between them it just, you know, strengthens that. So it's a very important character. And just, you know, the guessing game aspect mm -hmm. is like, who's infected? Right. Right. I don't really have uh, much else about Childs uh, until sort of the end. Yeah. Uh, he he plays more in the end or at the ending. Yeah. Um, other characters, you know, small roles somewhat memorable i we told her to talk about gary a little bit he was um he was kind of in charge he's actually the guy that kills the norwegian guy gary uh sorry portrayed by donald moffat and um you know you think he's kind of the head honcho because he has access to the gun and then mm -hmm. like i said he kills the norwegian guy but um yep. He's question his authorities questioned pretty quickly Very and quickly. uh he and he pretty much resigns like he's like all right <laughs> i don't want you don't want me to do this i won't do this here's my gun it's like oh okay. shit <laughs> okay that was nice and easy and, and kind uh of, kind of smart actually it's like you know what <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't need to own it onus is not on me anymore here we go <laughs> um but you know he's um he's a suspect because mm -hmm. he's one of the few people that has access to this key where they keep their plasma or right. the blood no plasma is the first movie it's blood and just in the second one right Right, right. I think it's just okay. blood. Okay, so he has access to the the blood, and everyone's like, "Well, how did it open?" If you're the only one that has the key, so like, you know, you don't trust him for pretty much at that point until he gets tested, mm -hmm. um, and then he finally gets tested, and we find out, oh, he's not an alien, and it's yeah. weird that um, Mac wanted to 
sort of test him last. And we're going to save you for last, Gary. He's like, why? The one guy you seem to be sure is an alien you want to save for last? Huh? All right, sure. I mean, he's a, he's not all there, Mac. So uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. No. But, but this is a pretty competent character. Um, like I said, has memorable scenes. He's, he's the leader, and then he just um, sort of resigns uh, at yeah. the mercy of everybody else. All right. Fuck this. <laughs> yeah, you know, you look at a character like that who keeps his head uh, for the most part. I mean, you got some Norwegian running around at camp shooting people. He's just like, all right, well, yeah. <laughs> you handle this. You know, breaks out the, the, the window, shoots the guy. I mean, it's pretty impressive stuff. And yeah. even in that situation where he's tied up, he's taking it reasonably well for a guy who knows he's innocent. Yeah. Until uh, so, until he passes the test, then he's like, "All right, if you want to just let me out any fucking time." Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was great. It's great. Um, yeah, like any yeah. day now. <laughs> yeah, so not huge towards the plot, but definitely has memorable scenes. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that is ultimately what works about these characters in this film. Right. They have strong enough character traits that, mm -hmm. um, you know, even without knowing much about them or even frankly, remembering some of their names, uh, you know kind of what their deal is. And, you know, again, every character is elevated in this movie because any one of them might be your alien. So right. uh, you're paying attention to everybody and what they're doing. Like we said, there's a bunch of side characters. They all have their kind of traits. I don't know if we need to really get into all the traits. I don't think oh. so either. Oh. Uh, but just overall, like in the package of like side characters remake versus the original the remake hands down just much more memorable characters yeah i easily easily i mean i can name some of the characters yeah in the exactly. remake. i i struggle to do that with the original scotty it's all i got <laughs> yep scotty all right um should we get into the endings how we are able to eliminate this alien threat let's talk about it all right, we'll start with the original because it's uh, the more simple of the two. So, like we said, they had tried to light it on fire with that awesome action sequence of the kerosene just lighting the whole room on fire. <laughs> alien ultimately gets out. Um, it's always funny though. Like every time the alien escapes, they're always like, "Oh, don't worry, he'll come back anyway." It's like you don't seem worried at all. <laughs> like maybe he's just gonna be out there. Um, so yeah, he escapes, but he does come back. And, yeah, I think, who comes up with the idea of electrocuting it? I don't, I don't recall who exactly came up with this plan, but it was one of the lieutenants that was, uh, that was there. Um, right. Now, at, at this point, right, I believe this alien actually is pretty smart, too. Right? He cuts the power. Right. Yeah. Now, I, I, again, I'm trying to remember. Now, they were trying to say that basically that alien – was trying to like freeze them out more or less. Yeah. Okay. That's what it looks like. So, so yeah, I mean, like. Yeah, it was just one of his uh, officers that's like, here, just hook it up over here. They, yeah, there's this random electrician guy too, who kind of <laughs> yeah, comes in. Who comes in? I was like, I don't remember you from the first half of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It was like a guy. Uh, <laughs> a guy like a grip was like, hey, I'm in the movie now. <laughs> <laughs> We need somebody to explain how the electricity can work. I'll play that role, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, 
don't know. It's like you made it a vegetable, then like there's this big emphasis on the fly trap. <laughs> but um, you know, Carrington, the doctor, has been saying this whole time that this alien is smart. And this is the first example that we have <laughs> of the alien uh kind of outsmarting them because they, you know, they're stuck there. This they're starting to realize like, hey, we're we're gonna get frozen if we don't right. you know draw this guy out, do something quickly. And you get this very, very uh drawn out scene of well, the power's out, someone go hit the generator and now unwind this this metal whatever fencing almost, like whatever they're gonna use their their fly trap. <laughs> uh, move slightly more into uh, focus of the camera so that the alien will will come this way. Uh, then you get this way too much of the creature. Like you said, you don't want to see your your movie monsters. Just he's shuffling so slowly <laughs> towards them. And they're like, here he comes. And again, that same lieutenant guy who, whose name cannot be remembered. I uh, was like, now we got to get him on the walkway. <laughs> he's He's not on the walk and they like kind of throw something at him. He's like, yeah, like, yeah. Throw, <laughs> like, throw a piece of wood at him. Oh no, look out for the wood. And the guy just kind of like hops onto the uh, the pathway. I'm just like, okay, here we <laughs> are. <laughs> and then Carrington, this jerk, <laughs> <laughs> who, you know, he's back with uh, the quote unquote, the women and children room. Uh, he somehow breaks out and he's like, it's, you're way smarter than us. Uh, they're going to try to kill you. Don't go that way. Um, teach me your secrets. And the alien bitch slaps him. <laughs> I got your secrets right here. <laughs> yeah. Breaks his collarbone, throws him into the corner, keeps shuffling towards our heroes who are just like, come on, a little bit closer. And it's like, wait till he gets in the middle, a little bit closer. And then eventually, you know, they do the shitty uh, lightning effect. Um, mm. Zap, yes. zap, zap. Uh, zap, zap, zap. A little bit longer, zap, zap, zap. <laughs> uh, and we're led to believe that this this alien has been handled. Carrington gets you know detained or tied up, whatever the hell happens to him. They finally are able to get a message out to uh, General Fogarty or whatever the guy they've been trying to talk to the whole time. And you know what? Let's let Scotty tell. It. Well, also, wait a minute before we get there. Right. Uh, Hendry, Hendry, and Nikki have to have a serious conversation about. Their relationship, and, right? Uh, he's going to settle down, right? Because talking about you know starting anew. Can we talk about that starting a new thing again? It's like shut up about starting fresh. I don't care yeah. about your relationship. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. The Earth was just attacked. <laughs> <laughs> you two have plenty of time to figure this out on your own time. Um, can the cap? Can I talk to the captain? Oh, sorry. Right now he's uh doing things that go uh, above and beyond the call of duty. And that was just him talking to the girl. So it's like, they really uh, tied up that love story really nicely by just, uh, the captain's too busy to, you know, inform the higher ups of how he saved the earth because right. he has to go on this date with this girl. And, and it's just, it, <laughs> it just seems really silly to me. There was never like a sense of urgency <laughs> in this original no. film. Like, oh yeah. my god, what are we gonna do, man? Well, I better stop and just talk to this broad for a bit because I want to get in her pants. <laughs> yeah, like that was kind of a singular focus for this guy the whole time. 
Yeah, you can care less about the alien. It's, it's like at most points, most points, most parts. Yeah, he didn't really seem to care about that alien. Yeah, it was a uh, strange choice. But um, like you said, after um, we get the the bow on their relationship, uh, Scotty does get to finally tell his scoop, and he has a message for the world to look to the skies because you'll never know what you'll see. Keep yeah. looking at those skies. Um, watch the skies, watch them everywhere, watch them every day. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, a pretty good monologue. Yeah, it's, it's, oh. I was about to say, it's actually not terrible. And it's, um, you know, as, as an audience member at that time, it just, it's kind of exciting. It's like, wow, you're right, this could happen anytime. Maybe yeah. I should look at this guy's more. I actually did dream about aliens last night. So yeah. <laughs> thanks, yeah. Scotty. I'm going to blame you for that. Beam me up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, yeah, it's just, it was kind of cool. Because at that point, you know, the movie was just, you know, doing what the movie did. But, like, it did put things into perspective, you know. Scotty's like, we, we made contact, uh, invaders from afar. Um, and then he's just, like, gassing everybody up. He's like, yeah, and then uh, these, these brave guys, they fucking, they showed that alien what's what. And they came out, and they were like, pa-pow, pa-pow. <laughs> and then, like, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, a, little, a little too much patting themselves on the back for... Uh, <laughs> Not doing that much, to be honest, to save the universe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in that one dialogue scene, Scotty gets a send-off for a movie. Right. He gets elevated from comic relief to, like, the scion for, like, the future of humanity. <laughs> pretty damn cool. And, uh, you, sh- you know, he's going to win a Pulitzer or something like that. Yeah. It doesn't even sell out the doctor. He's just like, and Carrington was just attacked. Uh, he doesn't say, like, yeah, well, yeah, Carrington he, was attacked because he's a fucking idiot. You wonder what this fucking idiot scientist did? He doesn't do anything yeah. like that. And they're like, nice one, Scotty. Like, wow, way to cover up for the scientist. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. It was, a, it was a feel-good ending. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was. I mean, the, yeah. the main guy got his love interest, and then Scotty got his day in the sun, so to speak. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, next time aliens want to come to Earth, you know, <laughs> Scotty let us know. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's not going to be so easy, aliens, because we're we're watching. <laughs> it's a very different ending from our remake. <laughs> I'm going to start at um at the point where after they're done doing all the tests. So we got four guys left. We got mm-hmm. Mac, Childs, Gary. Um, who's the fourth guy? The oh yeah, it's uh, Nalls, uh, the roller skate guy. And um, they're like, okay, we're going to go outside and do the test to the doctor because the doctor has been isolated in that shack. Um, So three of them go. They leave Childs behind. And they go there. And lo and behold, the doctor is not there. His door is wide open. Like, how did he get out? They never really explain it. But they do find that the wood floor, something's wrong with the wood floor. So they remove it. And they find a tunnel beneath the shack. The tunnel leads to a UFO all along the doctor has been rebuilding a ufo using parts of the helicopter and this is pure confirmation that the doctor is not human that he's definitely an alien so at that point they're like oh fuck we gotta take care of him um so they decide to go find him or or is at that point we're like i think one of them goes i think child's just like left i don't know what happened with him it's like fuck what are we gonna do man yeah. All right, well, we're dead men anyway. There's only one thing we can do, man. And that's yeah. blow it all up. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so they're just like, fuck yeah. So 
nobody objects. They're like, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll just blow everything to high hell. So they start just like blowing the whole facility up, um, crashing in like whatever cars remain, you know, emptying kerosene, gasoline, whatever they can to light this fucker up. Yep. They um, they go to set, um, I guess, explosives near some like parts that will explode <laughs> in the facility. And uh, while they're kind of down there, um, the doctor starts to attack. Um, he kills Gary on screen. Um, mm -hmm. Nalls leaves. We never see him again. And then uh, the alien and Kurt Russell kind of go head to head. But the alien's smart also because he uh, it's one of those old sort of dynamite um, explosive Plungers? detonators. Yeah, is that what's called yeah. a plunger? Yeah, where you have to push it down and then it explodes. But the, the alien doctor just destroys that. He's like, fuck this shit. I'm going to get rid of this and I'm going to kill you. But Kurt Russell's like, oh, you forgot I got this dynamite. <laughs> so yeah. like Kurt Russell just throws that shit. The whole fucking factory explodes. Everything is on fire. Somehow Kurt Russell's Max survives like barely touched. <laughs> like just like fine. Just comes out and he's like, yep, I fucking blew it all up. And then Childs comes and they're like, oh shit, man, Childs is still alive. And like, what are they going to do? Are they going to fucking, this is it? East meets West, they're going to just fucking go at it because like see who's really the superior guy. Nah, they're like, you know what? We're kind of fucking going to die anyway. You want to get drunk? Sure do. <laughs> yep. And uh, th there's your nihilistic ending as uh, you were describing before. Yeah, because uh, very different <laughs> from the original. Very, very different. Because uh, um, there is also, I believe, some factor where um, because of whatever the alien did at some point, these guys are going to freeze out more or less. Like the alien's going to try to freeze himself more or less until like a rescue team comes. Mm -hmm. um, so like they're kind of racing the clock in that sense with this whole fire and explosion thing. It's uh yeah you're right like it is it's depressing right like every, yeah. everyone's dead the facility's blown up child's in uh in McCready there there's some theories uh, out there that at this point child's maybe um, an alien as well uh, there's a uh, like this concept like if you see him talking at the end like his uh he doesn't like uh, his breath like he can't see his breath even though it's like freezing mm -hmm. until like a certain point in the uh, an ending so some people say that that has like proof that he's an alien i don't fucking know i didn't do that research <laughs> but uh what i do know is that it's not very likely that mccready or childs gets out of their lives unless there's some kind of alien so right that's uh yeah kind of a bummer <laughs> it's um yeah I, I don't know how else to put it i mean you don't see them die you just kind of assume Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they're kind of left with, like, this nice moment of, like, all right, let's just have a drink. If Assuming they're not aliens. That they're yeah, just, let's assume they're not. Yeah, they're just two friends, like, well, this is the end, old friend. Let's just, let's just go out with some class and style, have a few drinks. And, you know, as far as, like, sad endings go, it, it could be sadder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I was okay with that ending. Um, it was just, it, I think the tone which is pretty dark. Um, so that dark ending was kind of fitting. I didn't, I wasn't mad um, that, oh, well, he didn't get, they didn't get away, that they might die. I was okay with like, well, who knows what's going to happen next? Are they aliens? Maybe. Maybe they're right. both aliens. Maybe one of them is. Uh, I don't know. Right. But I was kind of okay with like, all right, <laughs> this might be the end. It might not be. 
Yeah. Yeah, it just, uh, it did fit. Like, it fit the tone yeah. of the film. I don't think that I needed, like, some sort of grand sort of resolution to all this. Like, yeah. that to me felt like what would happen if uh, a shape-shifting alien attacked some isolated, um, you know, science facility or whatever. It's like, yeah, I think most people would die. And the fact that <laughs> it even looks like the humans might have got a one there. Excuse me. The humans might have got a win there. That's good enough for me. Yeah, you know? Right. So is, we're left to believe that the humans were ultimately able to defeat the aliens. So that's, right. that's a victory in itself. If our two last main characters don't make it, that's that blows. But the alien was presumably stopped. So yeah. I was okay. With that yeah, I, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, um, well, they blew it all up. But, like, there could yeah. still be some evidence of what happened. Kind of like the Norwegian crew. Like, someone right. could come along and see... Yeah would happen just in case there was any aliens still out there. Yeah. Cause like, I feel like if they got saved, it would have been some like X mocking thing. <laughs> yeah. It was just like completely come out of nowhere. It's like, Oh, randomly a helicopter was passing mm -hmm. by and saved mm -hmm. them. It's like, well, it's, it's, it's not really realistic. And this, that wouldn't fit the tone of the movie that we were going. Yeah, some realistic. real Poseidon adventure bullshit. It's like yeah. wait, the exact part of the ship you're on is yeah. the part that they opened up and nah. yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a good ending. Yeah. I know a lot of people, like I read too, that a lot of people weren't happy <laughs> with just like kind of the downer ending. Maybe it's just a little ahead of its time, but I thought pretty fitting. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, with some of my research on the film, it did seem that like, again, that nihilistic tone apparently was not, uh, was not popular at the time. People were yeah. not a fan of it. They shot people... many alternate endings too, to try really? to just find the one that was like the most pleasing. I think there was one where uh, it was just Mac by himself um, I forget the particulars of the other endings, but I I know they did multiple endings. Yeah, I I think that the one they settled on for me at least I, yeah. I think it works. Yeah, I think it works too. Yeah, you know but, um, we got these two main characters; they're still alive. There's just hey, when when they're alive, there's still hope. So yeah, you know we don't know. And I think it's uh, Charles says that you know uh, eventually this fire is going to go out. It's like well, nothing to do. <laughs> just wait, you know. It's like yeah, it's true. Like if if they're not rescued before the fire goes out, they're going to freeze to death. So right. uh, alien or not, they're going to freeze. So um, yeah, it, was, it works for me. Man. All right. So that's the endings. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? It's kind of all I've really got for the topics. Maybe a little bit the music. Um, you could just talk about slightly. Yeah. If you want to talk music, I think you, you're more keen right. in on it. I'll I'm. just, Talk about the music. I'll start with the original, our score by Dimitri Tiomkin. Uh, it's not a very music-heavy film. <laughs> There's a, not a lot of music in it. I think the only times you really hear music, like throughout the film, are pretty much when the aliens attacking, <laughs> just to bring up the suspense. But there's a lot of just dialogue. <laughs> like we snappy said, 50s dialogue. Exactly. Very snappy. Um, lots of people talking about. <laughs> things it's just like wait 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 where am i going yeah. um so it's uh you know it's a typical 50s film in that it's not the music doesn't really tell the story or doesn't help the story too much except for like when you see the alien so it was an okay score mm -hmm. um the score in the the remake that Ennio morricone you know the guy who made the what is it the good the bad and the ugly mm. you know that classic yeah. score um 
so it's it's pretty solid score here um there's definitely more music played throughout i just wanted to mention it because it's there's some very heavy synth elements yeah. and uh i like that sound i know john carpenter is a fan of that sound and uh it's you know i wish they were a little more synthy because <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, i really dig that sound but um overall it's a pretty solid score i yeah. just wanted to mention that yeah i thought the score worked uh, especially considering you know that a lot of the tension really isn't necessarily like action, right? Like a lot of tension is yeah. these sort of quieter moments and stuff like that. And I think the score handles it really well. Like I, I felt even with the uh, the slightly longer runtime on the John Carpenter remake, mm -hmm. uh, I never felt like oh, this is still going on. No. <laughs> like killing the alien in the original felt longer than the movie, <laughs> <laughs> the remake. No, it definitely had a good pace. And the score definitely helped move everything forward in that remake. Absolutely. All right. Well, I don't have anything else to say, really, about either film. Is it that time, Reggie? Is it time to give our verdicts? I think it's that time. All right. So here we are. Reggie, should the remake to The Thing from Another World, which is just called The Thing, <laughs> should that <laughs> exist? Yeah, I mean, there's no question in my book that The Thing should exist. Uh, Again, it, this feels very similar to The Fly. Um, I don't think it. I don't think it hits quite the level where, like, when we watched The Fly, I was like, "Holy shit, this is like incredible! Like, so much better than the original." The thing is better than the original, and it, it works literally most of the time. I mean, I could nitpick a few things here or there in terms of, like effects, but like overall, the movie's really, really well done. Um, Kurt Russell. This is some of the best Kurt Russell I've seen in, in a movie. Um, Child is a, a memorable character. It's just I like that that they made this more about the the men, the humans, than they kind of made it about the alien, while still keeping that thread of the alien the whole time. And like it really just messes with your head the whole time watching the movie. Like what's going on? Who's an alien? Who's not? And you know that mystery really serves. And like we mentioned, makes it feel like the movie isn't really that long it's almost two hours long it kind of breezed by for me um i do also want to note that i was pleasantly surprised by the original movie i thought that it was going to be really really cheesy and you know there are really cheesy parts but like overall i, I was like very surprised by how decent and good of a film that i thought it was it, i've seen bad alien films uh this one wasn't the origin of the alien was really stupid but um the way they handled it was cool. That scene that you're talking about with the the fire and stuff like that, that was really cool. And um, that monologue at the end, again, a little cheesy, but like really well done. I was like, wow, that that was a good ending to this movie. A little too happy, but uh, but good. So yeah, um, all I'm saying is that both films should exist, but the thing, the remake is a better film. And I know why they call it a masterpiece because in a lot of ways, I think it is. All right, so, um pretty much in the same boat as you Reggie. Of course, this remake should exist. It's a very enjoyable film. It definitely uh, is a step above what the original was. Not to say that the original is a piece of shit. I mean, uh, you, you stole a lot of what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, that original <laughs> film was a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, you know, we make fun of the quick talking dialogue, but you know, if they slow it down, it's actually some interesting things they're talking about. You know, usually these old films, it's a lot of exposition, 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 but you know, they have a lot of asides. There is some character development, at least with Scotty. Um, and you know, it's a pretty decent 
outing of like let's have let's have an alien film in the 50s and then what the remake does is just genius again going back to the fly yes i agree with you it doesn't quite reach the levels of the fly but you know just able to sort of pivot into like another genre let's let's dip into the horror a little bit more you know and then just changing what the alien is it's not a threat from the outside it's a threat from the inside kind of this, this mystery and that's that's a great hook like which one's the alien like i thought i really thought i was like it's just gonna be kurt russell it's genius uh but uh of course they went in a different direction but still very very engaging and i really enjoyed it it yeah it can be cheesy at times absolutely over the top it definitely has like that 80s feel to it even though it's like just at the beginning of the 80s but um it, it works i'm able to forgive a lot of the sins in the movie just because so much of it works yeah and um i understand why people got mad at me for not seeing this film because it is very enjoyable and a lot of the stuff they did even though like and that's 40 years old. A lot of the stuff still really works. Yeah. Those practical effects are really good. And just, it's a shame that we have to rely so much on CG these days. But um, I enjoyed it. Sure, it's cheesy, but cheesy fun. And I, good film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Practical effects, uh, uh, kind of, maybe not A plus, but an A, definitely an A for me. Yeah. Um, and it definitely didn't look like a soundstage like that original. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is not snow. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Good film. I guess, uh, you know, because we did talk about this a little bit, but uh, just, again, some of the research that we did prior to watching this, I was really surprised to read about how much people didn't like this at the time. Like, I, I thought that that remake was really good, but it was like it flopped commercially until, like, huh. released. Um, I guess E.T. had come out around that time. So, like, yeah. this was, like, I guess also the country was going through a depression at that point. So, apparently, like, nihilism was not what people wanted at the time. So, right. it, didn't, it didn't do great originally. But uh, luckily, over time, people recognized how, you know, the genius of this film. So, and uh, I certainly would like to add to that, too. It's like, yeah, it's a great, great movie. Yeah, as far as horror movies about aliens, I've seen much worse. Um, I, you could almost say this is the standard um, for that because it's, it's really solid and it aged very well. Yeah. Overall, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I get why apparently we're going to do this again. <laughs> uh, yeah, we get to do a sequel to this episode. <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like, like Battlestar Galactica was like, yeah, we'll just do that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the remake has women in it. Oh, I guarantee <laughs> it'd be kind of cool. Maybe they'll go Ghostbusters style. It'd be an all women cast. You know? There you go. Not that that would change anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, that, that was a good one. Yeah, that was a good choice. Yep. All right. So what are we going to do next time? Should have prepared. Well, I, I actually weirdly have one. Um, oh, okay. What do you got? So... so we were talking before about like Superfly. I, that's not this one. It would have to be at least one or two after this. But um, I was uh, scrolling through Amazon Prime the other day, and we did something like this when we watched Arthur. But uh, I was thinking Alfie. 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 Yeah. Uh, I, the remake has Jude Law. The original has Michael Caine. Okay. It's uh, it's about like uh, kind of like playboy character who learns to love <laughs> yeah yeah basically so 
I don't know how much of that we want to keep, but like, yeah, uh, you know, scrolling through, it's um, sort of a comedy, kind of like a rom-com type type setup, but uh, All right. you know, it has at least one of our um, retro versus remake alumni, right. Michael Kane, Michael Kane, Michael Kane. The Self-Preservation Society. <laughs> <laughs> Self-Preservation Society. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, unless, unless you uh, want to do something different. No, it's a good. It sounds like a tone change from this, like, sort of sci-fi horror to something a little lighter. Yeah, why not? Cool. All right, well, Alfie, it is. Alfie. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been another episode of Retro vs. Remake. You can always find us on the social medias, the Facebooks, the Twitters. I don't know why I'm sounding like John Wayne. But <laughs> you can find us on the Facebook, the Twitters, the Instagram. I'm sure there's other things that I'm missing. If you're on YouTube, definitely leave us a comment below. If you're on iTunes, if you could leave us a five-star review, that'd be great. Absolutely. So, I'm Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Bielek. Thanks for listening to another episode of Retro, Retro versus, versus Remake. remake.